Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On The Mark, I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is directing me across from me. He's a natural-born listener, except for the times when he doesn't. And Mr. Kevin Hurst, our fabulous producer on the other side of the glass. So we very much appreciate everybody being in place today, including you. One of the individuals in place for this morning's uh, program is uh, Professor Matt Rosu, Dean of the Sigmund Wise School of Business at Susquehanna University. He's a professor of economics. He still, even though he's dean, he gets to teach one class. So he's allowed to go into one class, although I'm sure that takes a long time to teach. He's the guy that brought uh, to our Sunrise program how Broadway songs, how some of the messages in the Broadway songs are used to teach economic principles. Uh, he told us about experimental auctions. Broadway songs, and what was the other aspect of the entertainment industry, Dr. Rosu, that you used to teach economic principles? StarWars.com. So if anybody's a Star Wars fan and wants to learn a little economics, they could actually go to that website and... <laughs> About three dozen or so clips from throughout the series. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You, you think big and you make these great connections. Of course, we learn from you experimental auctions as well. So we really appreciate you checking in. Okay, we want to talk about how public opinion impacts real prices, how someone's opinion of something uh, can affect, like, oil prices or inflation. Well, and we were talking, too, uh, Matt, about how the markets yep. respond to rumors and and innuendo and things that aren't necessarily true and whether or not that kind of impact is long-lasting or short in term. Sure. So in general on prices, prices, the phrasing goes, really, tied to monetary policy, right? There's the kind of the famous phrase, always and everywhere a monetary phenomena, <clears throat> which is the extent that prices are really driven by the money supply. And the money supply... It's not just the money supply, it's how quickly people spend the money supply, the velocity, how often the money supply is spent. So inflation in general is tied to that, where expectations can certainly matter on a, on a couple of fronts. One is on the short run, right? If you, are a, if you are a gas station and you see what's happening to oil prices, even if you know, the gasoline that's perhaps in your tanks is not... Uh, was not more expensive, you may be raising the prices on the expectations. Prices are going to be going up. Uh, you could raise the prices and, and you'll be able to sell everything you have and you'll be just fine. So that, that's one area where inflation expectations really raise a little bit of havoc is on job contracts. So you could imagine a scenario we're in now where the unemployment rate, um, or I'm sorry, the inflation rate is almost 8%. If there are contracts that are being set, how much per year do you 
budget in for a cost of living adjustment, right? I mean, if, if you have contracts that are adjusted, especially if you have union unionized negotiations, uh, do you put in 8%, assuming it's 8%? Does a firm agree to 8%? Uh, does it agree to a little bit more than that to co- adjust for cost of living plus a little bit of a raise on top of the cost of living? Does it, does it go less uh, on the expectations that inflation won't be quite as high next year? And regardless of which way you go, if the inflation numbers are a little bit off from what you think, that can have some implications in terms of, well, either the real wages or it could hurt firm profitability, which would increase unemployment rates. Well, we had a a writer yesterday who said, uh, currently we are being raped by the private sector and Wall Street. Twist away, Biden haters. How much of this would you lay at the president's footsteps, and how much of it do you think is at Vladimir Putin's footsteps? Or foot... Uh Lap of the in, of the inflation rate, yeah, and of the inflation rate. Um, so, first of all, I, I don't think. I mean, thinking it's private industry that's doing this is, is kind of crazy. I think private industry is no more greedy now than they were a year ago or two years ago when the inflation rate was very low, right? So to think that, you'd have to make, if, if you're thinking it's private industry is all of a sudden causing this, like, well, uh, it, did their greed change in the last two years? So I, I don't think that's a rationale. Um, how much of it goes to the president versus other policies is an open question economists might debate. But the past year, there were a number of really big government spending projects when our economy was really doing okay. Right By the time Biden took office, unemployment rates were not really that big of a concern anymore. Right? There was the huge spike in 2020. Unemployment rates gradually dropped. And there was an enormous stimulus package that went out in either late February or early March, uh, along with then payments for dependents that went out. All of those were kind of new spending, and the government had to borrow for that, right? The money supply, we've seen the money supply go up. Well, to the extent that those actions drove up the money supply, I think you'd have to pin some of the blame on Biden. The most recent price increases, I mean, I'd say in the last month or two, especially on the energy prices, um, would go a little bit more towards the conflict in the Ukraine. A, a key way to think how much goes at U.S. policy, and then when, once you figure out U.S. policy, you have to figure out how much of it's Biden, how much of it's anybody else, uh, is to look at inflation rates across countries. And the U.S. is higher than most other countries right now. Uh, we heard from uh, Dr. Anna Barbasu at the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce function recently. I know you've been to some of those. And yep. um, he, one of the things that he said is that the Fed should have seen this inflation a mile away and, and been ready to curb it as the economy bounced back. Tell us about this, this idea that uh, this uh, folks like you uh, saw this wave of inflation long before we started to experience it. Well, first, you might be giving me too much credit. I I thought it was a possibility, certainly, that it would be a little bit longer term, but I I wasn't um, banging on the drum quite as much as some others were that this was was going to be a longer term thing. No, he mentioned over and over, and in his talk, he did a very good job of actually showing quotes from the Federal Reserve over and over saying inflation is transitory, inflation is transitory, inflation is transitory all of last year, and now it 
you know, doesn't seem so transitory anymore. <laughs> a year the, later. Yeah. Um, so the, I, I think the question that it, it comes down to is how much of this, uh, getting them, figuring out the money supply and getting that aspect right is not necessarily easy. Although that is the Federal Reserve's job is to get this right. I mean, they have the dual mandate to have inflation rates low and to keep unemployment rates low. Now, unemployment rates are incredibly low. Uh, but we're seeing inflation uh, through the roof on this. So this is this is going to be a challenge. And most of the time, when you curb inflation rates, it does lead to higher unemployment. And I think if the Federal Reserve takes actions for that, that is likely to occur. Chuck that we will see some higher numbers. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, it's okay. I was just going to say Chuck Schumer said yesterday that the Senate is going to take up action on inflation. You know, that doesn't exactly send chills up and down my spine. But what should the government, what should Congress be doing, if anything, about inflation? What can they so, do? So, yeah, so the, the, the money supply is the big thing. Now, if we're talking about energy prices, I think there are several things that could be done, although I don't know how much, most of it won't have an immediate impact, right? And you look back, and this is where I think some of the actions that, uh, that are taken that, you know, seem inherently political and they don't seem like they make that big of a difference at the time are making an enormous difference right now. Um, you know, you could argue how much does the Keystone Pipeline matter? I, I don't know how much that specifically matters, but any policies that are meant to threaten or discourage um, oil or natural gas production have certainly led to lower oil or natural gas production right now. We've had several presidents who certainly have not pushed nuclear power, nuclear energy, which is a clean energy. Um, that's, that could lower energy prices, right? Um, but that's, that's not a short-term play. That's a very long-term play. Uh, the state of New York's banned fracking. Um, it's not even allowed to do any fracking for natural gas in the state of New York right now. Well, same in um, the Delaware watershed. Yeah, and so, I mean, there, there you could have actions to try to increase, to try to reduce regulations to get more natural gas, could help lower U.S. energy prices, also could be available then for exports for Europe if this conflict lasts longer than I think any of us hope it would last. Um, you know, we, I think we're all... Whether what, it, what ends up happening, I don't know. I think all of us would hope that there would be a good resolution and not too long, but what happens if this is multi-year? If... Um, I, th I think we should be thinking about what can be done to help support the energy needs both in the U.S. and in Europe should this drag on. Is there a consumer action I should be taking now that inflation is so high and gas prices are so high? What should I do? That's, so that's a tough question. So if you're thinking on... If you're thinking about buying things, right? I mean, the, the problem with inflation is often you'll look at something and you'll wonder, is it just going to be higher? Is the price just going to go up by 8% next year? Should I, am I just forced to buy now? Which, of course, will kind of lead into this cycle, right? If everybody's buying a particular product, then the prices for that should stay high. Um, a key question is also then, you know, if you've got a little bit in savings, how do you protect against inflation? And, you know, this don't take this as, you know, it's the standard disclaimer, don't take this as financial advice and talk to a professional. Um, but if you simply have cash sitting in a savings account earning close to 0% interest and the inflation rate 
you're losing money <laughs> and your, 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 your assets are not protected. So then you have to start to think about what is that? Is that investing in companies um, through the stock market, which, you know, if inflation goes up, in theory, they're charging a little bit more as well. So their profits should go up. Is it investing in real estate? Whereas if inflation is higher, maybe land prices are higher or rents are higher and, and you could um, kind of keep up with inflation that way. But that, to me, is a little bit of a trickier environment, and quite frankly, one that I'm, most of us are new to in our adult lives. Right? For me, the uh, last time inflation was a, a big problem was I was pretty young at the time. Um, it, it, so it's a different mindset on thinking through how to behave now that we have higher inflation rates. Yeah, that was, what, the mid-70s? The Jimmy Carter yeah. administration. Okay. Yeah, 72. mid to late 70s, um, kind of ended really in the early 80s. Was the, it, it, you know, it, as it slowed down, it, it took quite a while for it to come down um, from what we would see today, right? In the mid-80s, it was still higher than anything we'd seen in the last 20 years up until now, you know, for you know, 6%, 5%, 4%, 3%. Um, we, have, we haven't really seen inflation rates above 2% most of the past 10 to 15 years, basically. Well, right. Professor, I've seen so many of these talking heads on television, paid endorsers, touting gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. You see those markets moving? I mean, they keep saying, oh, silver is going to reach enormous highs back <clears throat> from when the Hunt brothers were trying to... <laughs> corner the market. I mean, what, what, what should we be doing to protect ourselves? So the, the rationale on, on gold and silver is if, right, if there's a fixed supply of this, of a precious metal, and there's overall, and the money supply goes up, then in theory, the price for those should go up, and it's, it's an inflation hedge. That, that's the logic against those. Um, it's actually some of the logic used to, on cryptocurrencies, right, on Bitcoin, that there's a limited amount of Bitcoin, and if people believe it, then you know believe in its value they're not going to be producing more than whatever that algorithm is on the crypto for for bitcoin the that that works as long as the demand for those products stays high in terms of protecting assets i have always been a little bit more on the side of i would trust i would trust real estate or the stock market more in thinking if there is going to be widespread inflation, you would expect, okay, companies will be raising their prices, right? That's what inflation is. Therefore, as a percentage, you would think maybe their profits are higher and you're protected a little bit against inflation and the same with real estate. That's, um, that's my route. There are some who would go for the uh, cryptocurrency route or for gold or for silver or other pr- precious metals. I know you had Mr. Murray on last week, and I, I've, you know, I believe you know, he could also argue perhaps commodities. And, right? there, there's been a huge spike in aluminum prices, as he mentioned. Right? If you've invested in aluminum six months ago, that's a pretty good inflation hedge for you right now because the price has spiked for that so dramatically. And that part of your portfolio would be doing a little bit better. All right. Well, I think the real way to uh, to get rid of inflation is uh, to distribute buttons nationwide that say "Win, Whip Inflation." Now, <laughs> it, it, it worked for Jerry Ford. It'll work for us. So we'll, we, we should try that again. Anything else to add to our conversation, Professor Rosu? Um, no. I, th- I mean, I think the um, it's a complicated issue. The the issues with the Ukraine are not making it any better. Um, the one thing that I've been thinking a little bit about is kind of the, the game theory on this. It's one of the classes that I'll some regularly teach. 
um, you know, and how are, how are game theory, it's the study of strategic interactions as if it were a game, and certainly none of this is laughing matter, the actions in the Ukraine are not, it's not a game, but trying to think through what, what moves would perhaps help one side or the other. Um, I'm not a enormous fan of a lot of what Joe Biden has done over the past, uh, over his presidency. I'll give a lot of credit for the decision that whoever in their team made to publicize the intelligence ahead of time. I think that was a really good move to kind of get the world ready for the fact that Russia's planning this. They're going to be making up lies. They're going to be doing things. I think that was a really good move on their part. Probably the best move of the presidency, really. Um, Even if some of the other actions, like opposing you know, uh, natural gas kind of being posing the Keystone pipeline has made the energy issues worse. In terms of opinions, but not reality. All right. Well, thank you so much. Sir. We really appreciate this. Uh, I think he meant reality. Check in from time to time. <laughs> we always like to hear from you and uh, and uh, get your uh, wisdom on these important topics. Thank you, sir. Thank you, doctor. Thank you. Take thank care. you. Have a great day. You thank too, you so Matt. much. Bye. Professor Matt Rosu, Dean of the Sigmund Wise School of Business at Susquehanna University, professor of ep- economics there as well on the powerful impact that opinions have on uh, prices. We have some emails uh, coming in on uh, these topics we started discussing. You are listening to On the Mark. It's the WKOK Live Telephone uh, Talk Show. Sunbury Motor Company is our sponsor. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. You have a reaction? You want to talk about some of the things we've discussed so far? Energy, inflation, the presidency have been uh, sort of perpetual topics here, but maybe there's something new you'd like to bring up. You can email us at onthemark at WKOK and you can text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Remember, win. Whip inflation now. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full, new, and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. There we go. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Kevin Herr, a fabulous producer. Upper right-hand corner, then we'll put Stan on the radio. Well, our friend Tom and I read his note about Wall Street raping us <laughs> uh, when I was talking to Dr. Rousseau. Tom says, I don't agree with your guest. And, of course, Tom has his every right to do that. Raising gas prices because you looked into a crystal ball is nonsense. Oil is flowing just fine. If there's a problem and flow is disrupted, then raise the price. We are being raped. Wall Street needs to be reformed drastically or disposed of. 
Wall Street. Get rid of Wall Street. <laughs> Get rid of Wall Street, okay. right. Well, there's there's a common sense solution if I ever heard one. Idea in a while. Well, well, Tom suggested that before. Eliminate Wall Street. Just block it off at both ends, and that would end all investing. Stan, you're on the mark. Good morning. Uh, isn't perception uh, the major driver of uh, prices, say, the least petroleum or the futures market? I would and say that comes out of the. Isn't that in the Chicago Board of Trade? Joe and I agreed. Perception is fifty percent of every price of everything. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's everything, but as far as commodities, you know, on the futures market, what may or may not happen is what determines the price for these guys speculating how they want to spend their money, whether they want to speculate the price is going to go up or the price is going to go down. There's people working both sides of the ledger. So in in the futures market. So that's what's driving it now because they don't know the future of what's going to happen is up in the air. They they don't know. So they figure, well, there's going to be a short supply, so they're going to drive up the expected up. Right or wrong, that's how the, the system works. Well, in I think each, each individual you know, I don't stand claim to be an expert, but that's enough that I know that much about it. Stan, each individual uh, person who is involved in that has to make a decision for themselves about what they think will happen. I mean, Tom says, our friend Tom says, uh, looking into a crystal ball is nonsense. But it's not nonsense. If you don't look into that crystal ball, if you don't use what you've learned about what you do to make projections about what's likely to happen in the future, you're pretty worthless as a manager, as far as I'm concerned. Well, and that's, that's, but the, yeah, and that's, that's for, you know, business, but as far as the trading market, I mean, the people that trade on that, that's what they're doing every day. They go in there and they look at what's going to be. Remember the, was the movie Trading Places with, I think, Eddie Murphy and Ackroyd, was it? <laughs> yep, absolutely. You know, basically what they do, they ruin that guy, that, 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 those guys with the orange juice futures. <laughs> All right, because they they put false information out, or somebody did that. They got the inside information that it was going to go up or down. I don't remember anymore. But basically, that's what it is. You know, it, it's driven on people speculating on what's going to happen, right or wrong. That's how it's done. Some sometimes I definitely think it's wrong. But anyways, but as far as the government, you know, driving inflation, they're not helping anything. Did you hear the other day Pelosi said that you know them spending a trillion dollars actually lowered the debt by a trillion or something like that. Well, I hadn't Some heard that, that one. Degree. Well, she's obviously gone down the rabbit hole. Into it, yeah, <laughs> it lowered our hidden costs, is what she was talking about. Lowered our hidden costs. Right, there's various costs of infrastructure and other uh, industries and or uh, nonprofits that are struggling, and that's a cost on society. So this lowered cost in order to pump money into the economy, but to borrow it from uh. our grandchildren. Boy, there, there's one I've never heard before. <laughs> it was highly speculative. Boy, that, that's a that's a circular argument. So the government spending bar bar print actually printing all this money. The government doesn't print it. The Federal Reserve does. The, the government just borrows it from them. So them borrowing all this million and trillions or whatever they're borrowing that uh, doesn't affect the debt. It actually went down according to her. Yeah, is using my that. Understanding is what she said. Using that argument, to take the Weimar Republic should have been a rousing success. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll go out and buy a couple cars. That'll lower my debt, right? Right. <laughs> is that basically the same the same argument? Yes. That, 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 you know, you've got to spend. No you've got to spend money to save money. That's right. basically what you're there saying, you and that's insane. No, the equivalent would be if you went out and bought three cars. One that's super tiny that gets high gas mileage, just to go back and forth <laughs> to work when it's just you and your lunch bucket. One that is a truck that you can haul leaves and garbage around, and the other stuff that you haul, and one that you 
you take on the highway. That's comfortable, but has all-wheel drive in case it snows while you're away and you can haul guns to a gun show or something. All of which are available <laughs> at Sunbury Motors Company. <laughs> right, yeah, excellent point. You would yeah, just, that, I just, that'll, that'll just lower my debt, uh-huh. Right. Because yeah, that, that, that'll cover all those savings to the, the, low <laughs> gas, the high gas mileage car. You know, a high mileage car that'll that'll lower all you know give me all my savings to pay for the other ones. Is that what you're saying? Ah, right, it's because uh, if do you, the numbers, it never figures out that way. It's to cover the cost <laughs> of you having too much car one day and not enough the next, and so that's what yeah. that solves. So, but think of how how well off you'll be if you do that. Well, you'll, yeah, you have uh-huh. to have a three-car garage, right? <laughs> Isn't that sort of like the the timeline of wealthy? But when you cross over the three-car garage, you're in the wealth zone. I would think so. Uh, depending right. on how many people are in the your family. insurance companies will love you either way. Well, I mean, the bottom line here is that people will speculate, and th- that speculation changes prices. It's the same thing all the, all through history. I mean, you can't argue the fact that people's perception of what's going to happen alters prices. Yep, all the time. Stan, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. Right. Always much appreciated. Thank you. Uh, we will uh, talk later in the show. Thank you, sir. All right, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Jot that down. we got open phones coming up on WDKOK. This is News Radio 1070 WDKOK Sunbury. WDKOK News Time. It's 9 a.m. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. Joe McGranahan is across for me, Mr. Kevin Hurst. On the other side of the glass, I'm Mark Lawrence. You're who you are, we hope, today, and you are welcome to call us. The toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. We talked to Professor Matt Rosu of Susquehanna University about inflation and uh, the impact of opinion on the price of products and cost of living increases. How do you bake those into contracts and so on? So uh, you can elaborate on that. Energy, oil, Keystone, XL, these have been perennial topics. President Biden and uh, the resurgence of President Trump slowly getting close to being our next president once again. So we can talk again about that. 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. <clears throat> on the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Traffic still slow on Interstate 80 eastbound as you approach mile marker 219 in Montour County because of a crash earlier this morning. About a 15-minute delay for motorists to slowly get by that vehicle that's off the road. Uh, there is some lots of slowing as you approach the rest area on the Limestoneville exit on I. 80 eastbound in Montour County. Dr. Anabon Basu of Sage Policy Group in Baltimore talked to the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce Economic Forecast luncheon lately, and he says restaurants and hotels should benefit from the influx of returning workers who left the workforce because of the pandemic, and he says college students shouldn't have to travel far to get a good job. 
if you're a graduate from Bucknell or Susquehanna, you are very much treasured right now. People like you who are so brilliant, so intelligent, so energetic, you're very much in high demand. And so one of the great hopes, of course, is that people will re-enter this labor force, and that will be a way for us to continue a longer spell of growth. He says right now some good news. Uh, all four Valley counties' overall unemployment rates around here are below 5%, and he says they will actually continue to go down. The spread of COVID-19 slowing statewide and in the Valley. In Monday's update, State Department of Health said there were just about 1,600 new statewide cases over the weekend. That brings the pandemic total to 2.7 million cases of COVID-19 in Pennsylvania since the pandemic began. Just 31 new cases in the central Susquehanna Valley over the weekend. A member of the U.S. Congress from Pennsylvania was among several House Democrats who tested positive for COVID-19 after a maskless party annual retreat in Philadelphia last weekend. Southeastern PA Congresswoman Madeline Dean tweeted Monday that she has tested positive for COVID-19, describing her symptoms as similar to a seasonal cold. Dean said she attributes her mild symptoms to having been fully vaccinated and boosted Mask wearing at the retreat was optional after the Capitol physician lifted mask requirements last month. President Joe Biden and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi spoke at the event on Friday. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Some headlines from our local TV stations. WBRE TV reporting former Pennsylvania Attorney General Kathleen Kane facing a DUI charge after a two car crash in Scranton over the weekend. Scranton police uh, she, she was taken into custody, processed, and released after the crash in Scranton. Uh, the police say formal charges are pending against Kathleen Kane. Uh, she was released from prison back in 2019 after serving eight months. She was convicted of perjury and other charges for leaking secret grand jury information and then lying to cover it up. Uh, she was the first Democrat. It remains the only woman to ever have been elected as the state's attorney general. And WHTM-TV reporting, former Pennsylvania Health Secretary Admiral Rachel Levine has been named one of USA Today's Women of the Year. Levine currently serves as the Assistant Secretary for Health with the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, as well as the head of the U.S. Public Health Service Commission Corps. She's the first openly transgender four-star officer in the nation, as well as the first female four-star officer in the U.S. Public Health Service Commissioned Corps. So congratulations to her. Finally, uh, a 10-year-old from Texas wanted to do his part to help the Ukraine, so he set up a lemonade stand. He's been busy, too. So far, he's raised about $1,000 that he says will go to save the children, specifically earmarked for... Ukrainian children. So good for that uh, youngster. You know, we were talking about the um, Keystone XL pipeline and its impact and whether or not, and and, uh, Matt even mentioned, uh, you know, he thought there was some impact there. But yesterday, you kind of belittled the people who were adversely impacted by it. And I wanted to read you this story. President Biden has been, quote, absolutely worthless and, quote, has done nothing for us, residents of a small South Dakota town say, as their community continues to deal with the fallout from the Keystone XL pipeline cancellation. He does not care, said Paulette, a res- resident of Philip. Uh, if he did care, Keystone would be going. Biden revoked the pipeline's building permit the first day in office over concerns about its potential impact on the climate. Biden and his administration ran on Build Back Better, and that is, from where I'm standing, a load of crap, said West Central Electric Cooperative CEO Jeff Berkland. I think his new slogan should be, Butchering Booming Business. 
Not a bad slogan. <laughs> Birkeland said the Keystone XL pipe, pipeline was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the town of Phillip, a town with a population of 779. The project would have brought unprecedented growth to their otherwise stagnant community. Right. Now, that's just one community's impact that the pipeline had on other people who worked on it, built, you know, um, the refineries that don't get the product, or the fact that we now have to transport it over on rail cars. It's still going to the refineries, but it's now what's going on rail cars. Well, I think you just have to ask at what cost. Yes, of course, with uh, boom towns, there are uh, definitely people who benefit from it. And then when the boom is over, but uh, you have to ask, uh, what's the real cost? One of our listeners sent us a note that relates to Keystone XL. doesn't really relate to the costs, but it, it certainly talks about the fact that uh, there should be a finding of fact before uh, we support this. Now, the Keystone XL pipeline, the, the, first of all, the most important thing to know is if they wanted to ship that oil from Canada to the Gulf, they could do it right now. The pipelines are already there. This is a tremendous shortcut. It would be a tremendous saving. But there are a wide range of issues associated with this. One of our listeners sends us this note. Go ahead and read that, if you would, please. Says, um, which one? The upper, upper right, right hand corner. The Keystone Pipeline is a hot-button issue in this time of historic gas prices. I've seen and heard it bandied about without researching it myself, so I did. Here's what I learned. One, the Keystone Pipeline is not an American project. It's a Canadian project. Two, there is already a pipeline for this resource going through the United States. The Keystone Pipeline would just be an added shortcut. Three, this pipeline does not carry crude oil. It transports tar sand from a biomass in Canada to the Gulf Coast. It needs to be processed. The cost of processing and the environmental risk of transportation through a pipeline make Canada decide not to run one through their own country. Oil tar, Number four, oil tar equates in quality as bituminous coal to anthracite. Oil tar is what is known as dirty oil. It doesn't settle and spread like crude. It spews all over and is not readily cleaned out of the environment, similar to cleaning up a puddle of vegetable oil to flour thrown out of your on your lawn. There was number five. There's already been a leak in the United States of over 360 gallons in 2019. Six, the pipeline company had estimated the creation of 2,000 jobs. So when it was, uh, when it was completed, at the time it was halted, it was 6% done. So if you don't, now you know. Well, and I think the other, you know. the other aspect of this, yes, it's a big shortcut, but as soon as it was uh, deemed unviable by the president, President Biden says he wouldn't permit federal lands to be crossed and, and uh, eminent domain to be used in order to take private lands, the company abandoned the project, completely dismantled it, moved on, and moved on to a wide range of other places around the U.S. where pipelines are permitted and are being constructed. And in Canada, in Alberta, the company dismantle their plans there and boot scooted out of there. They're not doing it. Okay. So you say, okay, well, let's start at the Keystone XL pipeline. That'll help lower gasoline prices. It, it, assuming, of course, you could recapture this, which I don't think you can, you would have, it would be at least 10 years away till you get this. So I think if you, you talk about oil leases and other aspects of uh, increasing our oil production, I think some, some of those are valid, and you could definitely have that discussion, and maybe we should do it for the long term, and certainly try to gain some energy independence if you can. But the real issue is Keystone will not ever be a part of that solution. It's not our oil. It's not our pipeline. It's to ship overseas to benefit companies that aren't even United States companies. Will you be taking a breath anytime but soon? Yes, well, <laughs> yes, there are certainly 
and your your good listener that sent you that note is absolutely right. There are definitely boom towns along the pipeline. Look at Williamsport okay. before the natural gas boom. They build hotels up there that are now but empty. But I was leading to a point before okay. you went on your diatribe. Well, this <laughs> Here's, you want us to discuss opinions <laughs> yes, or not? But let me give you what I what I meant, and then you can tear it apart if you can. I was watching a series of documentaries called World War II Factories, and it talked about what the United States did under the leadership of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, a Democrat, to get production going, to make us independent, and to make us the arsenal of democracy. It required a large amount of hard work by so many people, private industry, which our friend Tom says is rapiness. If they hadn't stepped forward, if guys like Henry Kaiser hadn't stepped forward and devised solutions to some of the big problems we face, we might have lost World War II. Germany depended on highly skilled craftsmen doing small jobs to build their planes and their ships, where we used mass production. We solved the problem. We found a way to make what we needed to have happen, happen. Now, how did that how did that come about? It came about because Franklin Roosevelt realized that we needed to do stuff to win the war. And maybe we needed to cut corners, and maybe we needed to do some things now that weren't good for long term, but were what we needed to do now to solve a problem. There isn't that resolve anymore. The Democratic administration in Washington... Well, I don't think we have World War III underway. But we that still it's the concept of how we addressed a problem, how we solved a problem. This is we the put everything into it. This is the Democrats causing this issue. Have I you said, looked at the Republican Party lately? I was lately? giving a lot of credit to Franklin Roosevelt, who happened to be a Democrat. Have you looked at the Republican Party lately? You think any issue that pops up in the country is the fault of the Democrats? No, I didn't say that. Look at you just said it. I was talking about Franklin Roosevelt and what he did, the kind of steps he took. Well, I'm not going to argue to against address that. issues that we have. Yeah, don't put me against FDR. Holy smokes, uh, you know I'm on thin ice as it is for most of my discussion. Here, I, I just think if you think I, I think if, if you think we need a World War II effort to make America independent, uh, energy independent, I'm all for it. Do it. Build legal pipelines at places. Expand existing pipelines if necessary. Do whatever it takes. Get U.S. companies to get involved. Create a hundred of the boom towns that you talked about there. Create a hundred Williamsports. They have to build hotels and restaurants to support the industry, even though the drilling is essentially over and all of those are abandoned now. Go ahead and do all of that. That's fine. You know, get a president who thinks that big if he has to be Republican or he or she is Republican or he or she is Democrat. Doesn't really remember. I'm all for it. If you can save the nation with that kind of effort, you should do it. My only point is, don't pick Keystone Pipeline to All do right, it well, because it's like saying, oh, we, we're having transportation issues. We need horse and buggies. Let's, let's take, all go back to let's horseback. Let's take fracking for an example. You know, New York State has banned fracking. Regardless of what it might do, what benefits it might have for the citizens of the state, what it might produce in the way of uh, reducing costs for energy in this country, they banned it. You know, that's not the kind of thinking that won World War II. It's not the kind of thinking that will make us energy independent. Now, if there is a way, and here's the other point I was making, if Henry Kaiser found a way to build these ships through, uh, you know, putting them together in mass production. Certainly a similar effort could be made to doing fracking in a safe way. If what we're doing isn't safe, if what we're doing isn't effective, let's find a way to make it effective. It requires, it requires innovation. It requires critical thinking. It requires the commitment to achieve a goal. 
All right, well, they're saying World War III, but uh, we would invite in. Well, seriously, I mean, you know, what New York and everybody in the Delaware watershed is doing is saying, okay, what's the environmental cost versus the benefit? You know, in the Susquehanna River Valley and the Allegheny County River Valley or Allegheny River Valley we, or watershed, they said, okay, yeah, let's do it. Western Pennsylvania is like uh, the fracking king of the nation. I don't know if Pennsylvania is the single greatest provider of natural gas in the U.S., but it's certainly very high up there. So we have help solve this. But New York says, nope, environmental costs too great, and the Delaware Valley too great. But if we were, as you say, are in World War Three, we'll have to reevaluate that we equation. I were in World War Three. You said, said we should use that same level of World War II said, innovation. Right. But that doesn't mean we need a war to do it. All right. We'll give you the last word. Go ahead, Joe. What's the last word on the this? The last word is we have two callers waiting, and we need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. There's only you and me and we just disagree. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. All right, uh, Mr. Kevin Hur, ready to answer the phone. There's one line still waiting, 1-800-795-9565. Uh, one of our listeners says, Mark, your rant about growing industry and production in the USA being for a president that can make this happen sure sounds like you want President Trump back. <laughs> yeah, no, I do not. But we surely there could be a Democrat or Republican man or woman who could be a great president for these times other than President Trump or Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden. Can't we? Is there no human out there? We listed 24 different candidates yesterday. Is there no leader there? Dick, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Well, I'll make this pretty quick. I just filled up my, my tank with gasoline at 4, I think 439. My question, this is more to Joe, because last week they raised gas, the last couple of weeks, they raised gas sometimes every other day. It went from 375 to what it is now. My question is, gas yesterday, the barrel of oil had dropped every day since last week, and yesterday it was down to 98. I think it closed at a dollar four, but not once has anybody lowered the price of on their uh, gas pumps to yeah. co- compensate for that 15, 16, 17 dollar drop of barrel. They would raise it if it if it went up that much, though. That's my point. I don't disagree with you. I think that's exactly what happens in a lot so of So you don't businesses. think they're price gouging a little bit there? Well, I think they're they're anticipating that it's not going to stay, that that that, that it's transitory, and they don't want to lower the price, and then have to raise it again so quickly. Yeah, oil prices. Well, I, I guess, oil I prices guess, well, per they, barrel. They didn't, mind, they didn't mind raising it sometimes every other day. I guess I guess my point is it would make the damn com- com- country feel a little bit better if those gas companies would would lower it. A accordingly a little bit as it dropped that much. That's my point. 
Yeah, Just even right. to sell better, if nothing else. Wouldn't be a bad and idea. Not, and they won't be losing that much money. I'm sorry. All right. Thank you so much. Well, Jim. I know down on the Strip, there's places where the gas is actually four or five cents less right across the street from a, another gas station. So One of our listeners sends us a note, says the price per barrel went down yesterday just because of one Chinese pickle. It'll go back up. Chinese Some pickle. sort of a pickle in China. Uh, well, oh. probably the COVID outbreak, but that's supposed to be easy. Oh, you, by pickle, you meant a dilemma but or the, an yeah. issue. Well, that's what they mean. I didn't type it. All right. Uh, upper right-hand corner, Joe, and then Mick. Said Biden's nickname needs to be changed from Sleepy Joe to Ballin' Joe. All he's been doing is crying about how it's not his fault. <laughs> yeah, it's the Putin, the Putin price hike. All right, Mick from Northumberland, thank you so much for calling in. You're on the mark. Hello. Um, I'm calling in reference to the idea that uh, of the refineries, um, in a recent uh, local newspaper article, it was stated by experts that most of the refineries are specialized in the type of or the grade of crude oil that they're going to that they are able to refine so some are still uh only specialized to be able to uh refine the crude that's imported so every refinery is not capable of refining all grades of um crude oil that is available so even even if we had more production of certain types, the refineries may not be capable at this point of being able to refine it because of their specialized way of refining. That That's what the article in the newspaper stated. So I'm not making this up. I, I read it in our local newspaper. Well, they made it up. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Come that, on. That's a reasonable. That's reasonable to assume. Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, fuel refining from crude. There's uh, 20 different types of crude, and from 20 different, you know, from 200 different sources. We talked about tar sands oil. That is not really even crude oil. That is a bituminous substance that comes out of the ground. It can be piped, but it can't be rail tanked, and so it is not something that you really want to uh, invest too many American dollars to get. But you're right. It's six months of work to change precisely the type of oil that uh, one refinery will accept to another. Well, we tried to allude to this a little bit, and Joe and I both worked at this. uh, I'm not sure that it paid off, but to try to really uh, tag how complex the petroleum globe is right now in terms of the pool of oil that's available and the refining and the capacity. But the bottom line is that, of course, it's it's hopelessly complex. And then um, one thing that is the real straw that uh, keeps uh, sucking this argument and keeping it going is the fact that we have uh, interest in making sure that we have plentiful, cheap gas in the U.S. That's not something any other country in the world has, but we we want to make sure that we keep it going. So, all right, anything right, else? Exactly, and I truly agree. I mean, I, I think that there needs to be more consideration on the, the population of our local valley state and nation that this is not an easy issue and that there's not the blame can't be focused on just one individual or a small group so thank you for taking my comment yeah, thank you so much uh, we're going to ask you not to call again we do not enjoy facts on this program so oh do, okay do not check in <laughs> no, anymore don't believe him we do thank you so much <laughs> for calling Mick. Mm-hmm. thank you Bye. so much mick i'm just kidding of course all right 1-800-795-9565 I see you moving all these around. Are you ready to go with something? I am, um, but I think we should probably take Dale first. All right, Dale, you're on the mark. Because right we ahead. need to know where we stand. With the bar association. I just want to say, yeah, uh, is it the media's job to narrate the blame game? I mean, you're part of the media. I'm just asking. 
is it their job? I mean, first we blame the teachers, then we blame the police, then we blame, you know, Democrats, Republicans. I mean, are we going to run out of people to blame and start blaming <laughs> on the rain? I don't understand. I, I believe it's your fault, Dale. No, I'm just saying how stupid people are. I mean, it's it's just amazing. I mean, the media will run with some blaming somebody. Next thing you know, you'll have a thousand callers talking about why they are at fault. I, I don't understand the blame game. Uh, that's the media's job is to narrate the blame game. And these people keep running to the polls and ruining people's lives. Uh, and just let them have the, the country. I mean, basically, they already have it. Let who have the country? Who do you want to have the country? Elected lawyers. That's it. Elected I mean, lawyers. The okay. Bar Association. When we start blaming them, then we're going to start solving problems. But the media will steer away from that so hard. I don't know. Don't you think that the Republicans and Democrats are on the same team? I don't understand. Pupkin didn't sign no bill. Pupkin didn't borrow no money. I don't understand how you can blame Pupkin. Whatever. Pupkin? Pupkin? Who's Pupkin? Pupkin. Whatever his name is. Putin. Just, I, that's how small people's brains are. They're, they're blaming a foreign leader. He didn't sign no bills. He didn't borrow no money. He didn't buy understand. a big SUV for us. <laughs> and people were jumping in with two feet. Yeah, that's who we can blame. Yeah, the media would just that chew you up. That, that That is cancer, man. People need to stay off the media. But I hear the Bar Association was oh, a big contributor on, to his campaign when he ran for that. president again. Knock it no, off. but... but but don't ain't that the one who's writes the bills and signs the bills? The bars are yes, that is true. Does the police write the bills and sign the bills? Do the teachers? I mean, I don't understand. I, I just amazed how dumb people are. It, <laughs> but you know what? I can't control it. It can be amazing. I just gotta watch the show. I'm going to watch the show and not be part of the show. That's all. All right, That's we all. got you. Thank you so it's much. Amazing. Thank you, Dale. Okay, well, good luck, Dale, with that, trying to stay out of the fray. It's not easy. Uh, Upper right-hand corner. The Alaska Pipeline still delivers 1.8 million barrels of oil per day. The Keystone Line, yes, is controversial on both sides of the issue. Either way, the more the better. And there were enough pro-Keystone proponents to make the case for bringing this oil into the USA for refining. All right, and uh, the top text. All right, which environmental wacko website did this Keystone Pipeline... uh, made-up facts come from? Get their facts from. Well, they're actual true statements, but, you know, those were about six of the 12 things you could say about Keystone XL. Everything that Joe said is true, too, that there would be boom towns along the way if it would be uh, allowed to go through. There, of course, be a lot of victims of this, but, of course, if you bring in oil to a refinery that's located in the U.S., the people there could benefit. I don't think it would be inconceivable that the company that would refine it would uh, necessarily sell it overseas. Maybe they could uh, um, sell it in the U.S. But the bottom line is it's still imported oil. It's coming from Canada into the U.S. You don't become more energy independent by bringing in Canadian oil. But if, you know, we talk about our allies and the fact that we have a common Oh, well, yeah, you could definitely get it from So, in ally. other words, shouldn't we be sharing our, our what we know and what we have with our allies, the people who support us, the people who uh, every day work with us to make the world a better place and a safer place? We should share. If we definitely should. I learned that in kindergarten. <laughs> Mike, you're on the mark. Yeah, hey, uh, I want to talk about electric vehicles a little bit. And uh, I just want to say, now this is going to sound a little bit controversial, but I have to say the best thing to happen for electric vehicles is this war in the Ukraine, because public opinion is sure changing 
about acceptance and desire to have electrical uh, vehicles. And, uh, and so that got me thinking more about this. I, I heard that our demand for lithium is supposed to grow tenfold in the next eight years, okay, which is dramatic. And that's based on uh, Biden's decree to have, I guess, half of, the, uh, half of our fleet running on electricity. Okay, so number one, we have to seriously increase our exploration and development of lithium. And as anybody knows, anytime you want to drill a hole in the ground or do a strip mine or whatever, however they get that stuff, the, me the media is against it, the left wing of the Democrat Party is against it, and the federal bureaucracy is against it. So guess what? It's my understanding that our federal government has basically streamlined all that stuff. And so the left is going to lay down and let us get lithium out of the ground out west. Now, winners and losers in the shift to electric vehicles. Uh, it's my understanding also that uh, brakes hardly ever run out when you have these hybrid cars, electric vehicles, because as you're trying to slow down, uh, they're, they're using a charger to slow the vehicle down instead of your brakes. It's regeneration. So yeah. So the guy down at the bottom of the hill from where I live that takes care of the brakes on all five of my vehicles, uh, he's going to have to get out of business or get a new occupation, I think, when we all shift to electrical vehicles, because that's one of his biggest uh, jobs. So there's winners and losers in this thing. And it really reminds me of what happened when we shifted uh, to building nuclear power plants, and especially when we started developing the uh, weapons-grade uh, materials. There was a lot of harm done to the environment, a lot of lost in effects, and a lot of losers. So I just hope that this new transition doesn't turn out the way, you know, all the damage that we did at these processing sites in the past all over the country. Many of the things that most people don't even know about happened that were very serious. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm apprehensive about going to electrical vehicles because where's the electricity going to come from to charge them, okay? And that means new transmission lines, new distribution lines most likely because the electrical load and demand is going to go up while the uh, hydrocarbon use theoretically would go down. But again, something has to generate that electricity. And it seems to me that we're running full steam ahead without a plan that people are being educated on with the exception of, hey, Putin's making gas price go up, so these electric vehicles are good for you. Well, they're good for you if there's plenty of electricity, but, you know, we have in this country have not expressed any real interest in redeveloping our nuclear capacity with respect to energy. So that leaves fossil fuels, either coal, uh, coal or natural gas primarily, unless you want to turn the whole country into a giant uh, solar panel lot. Oh, exactly. Array. That's I mean, a lot. It would be as like array. a parking lot. Oh, that's true. Everybody would be able to park in the shade. That's one and, way. And again, here in Pennsylvania, uh, due to our government, uh, uh, Tom Wolf decreeing that he's going to get 40% of the government's electricity from solar within a, a certain number of years, so much uh, farmland is going to be taken out of uh, farming and animal use to uh, put these solar panels up. And finally, I've been talking about this for a month, and uh, nobody wants to hear it. Uh, yesterday was an article in our paper that talked about the responsible use of farmland for the purpose of solar panels 
And uh, they said with the uh, transition that's happening in uh, Europe right now and the food problems are going to happen there and spread around the world, now it's really not the time to take farmland out of use. But evidently it's going to happen because our governor, governor said it's going to happen. All right, we got you. Well, I think that's just one more blow for the family farm. It's a tough world we're in. Uh, lots, lots of dynamics associated with this, including the grid. We definitely know that we're going to have to beef up the grid. We're going to need some more electricity generation, I would assume anyway, if we have all these electric cars. I know homes get more efficient as time goes on, but it seems to me our electricity consumption is going to go up. All right, thank you so much, Mike. Thanks for calling in. Good okay. points all. Very you much appreciated. All right, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We'd love to hear from folks. We're back on the ener- the electrical field, so to speak. Oil, petroleum, Keystone XL, refining. Uh, our good U.S. president who will take office in four short years. Who could that be? Is the topic of one of our emails. 1-800-795-9565. We will be right back. Oh, that's what's causing the whole com- country to collapse. All right. Uh, upper right-hand corner, Joe, you should like this. Said Biden needs to go on TV and reverse the energy policies it disbanded on his first day in office. Let capitalism do its thing and bring our country back to energy independence. Keep an eye on it, but let's leave our socialist path and get back to the philosophy and government that made our country great. All right. And the next one, too, highlighted. Mark, there will never be a Democrat that can make America great again. Look at their anti-American policies. Uh, Eric, you are the next caller. Go right ahead. You're on the mark. Well, I certainly don't look at uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt or, or Harry Truman then as for Democrats to lead us out of things. Uh, but let's, let's let's look forward, not backward. Um, yes, I, I understand you know the concern about where we're at right now with conversion over to electric cars. But where were we at the turn of the century when we were converting from horse and buggies over to to the internal combustion engine? Uh, where were we then with all these industries that were going to go out of business, like people making wagons and, and wooden wheels? Uh, they developed and so forth. The bottom line, and, and what you cannot dispute, is the fact that there is, is a finite amount of petroleum in this earth of ours, and it's becoming harder and harder to get it out of the ground, and it's dirty. Uh, what you cannot dispute is that the solar power is there, it is essentially free. We just have to figure out a better way of doing it. And because of the sun, we also have the wind, which will always be there and always, and right now have the ability to generate electricity. And I believe with innovation and, and investment, we'll find better, more economic ways of doing that. We'll get better ways of developing batteries and storage systems and so forth, and we'll move forward. But to say, hey, we're not going to do it because, it, yes, there's initial cost to it, where would we be right now if we were all driving horse and buggies? We'd be up to our nose in horse dung, right? <laughs> and well, that's true. The, the country was up to its nose in horse dung during the early part of the nineteenth or the twentieth century. Really? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So to say, oh well, this, let's not do it because let's put it off. No, and, and we have a leader who willing to, to bite the bullet and say, yes, it's going to cost some money, but let's 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 start investing in innovation and looking 20 and 30 years down the line to make life better for our grandchildren and great-grandchildren rather than having the same arguments 20 and 30 years ago, which we had back in the 70s when we were, we were in this energy crisis before. Eric, Eric. 
Shh, we have to keep everything the way it is now. We can't change. We can't grow. We cannot do any improvements. We have to do things today the way we did them yesterday. You happened to hear my argument a while back where I said we needed to do innovation. We needed to think outside the box. Go ahead, Eric. But the difference is that we have to we have to have we have to have today's problems solved today, and then we need to work on this expanded stuff. Go ahead, Eric. So, Joe, we're supposed to wait, right? I didn't say wait. I said we should get our prop. We should do both. We can think and chew gum at the same time in this country. We've demonstrated that more than once. But we need, we, to, we need to be practical about today's problems while we keep our eyes firmly on the horizon and work toward a better future. Right, and that's what our president is doing. Our oh. president is saying our president is not doing that. Gasoline, but he's saying in the future, and our our governor of looking say. We're going to take the first steps in innovation and no. start making the change over now. Our president is more involved. Our president is more involved in trying to blame someone else for the f- things that are going on in this country than he is in trying to solve the issues. I'm sorry, but that's true. Last I knew, last I knew, his legislation was for to build better ahead. That's what that's what No, his legislation right was to spend a fortune without having anything targeted. We didn't spend uh, that trillion dollars uh, bill. We didn't spend about 30 or 40 percent of it, according to the, you know, the news media reports. So why are why are we talking about spending more money when we haven't spent what we already allocated? All right, moving, but moving all, all your people say is that the innovation and in going to electric vehicles is, is not the way to go. And it is. Otherwise, we're going to be sitting here, and this show will hopefully still be on the air in 20 or 30 years, and we'll say, <laughs> well, where are we at now? What about the energy crisis back <laughs> we'll in the 2022? Eric, the important thing is that we all think small and uh, try to stay the way we are tomorrow, the way we are today. And that's, oh, the, that's the main point. Did you, you and, watch the Super Bowl this year? You and Donald yes, Trump. Yes, I did. It was a great game. Okay. Right. Did you watch the commercials? Of course. <laughs> that's about how all I many, watched. How many commercials there were for electric vehicles? Um, half almost, a dozen. I think almost all of them. Over half, right? Yeah. So, so you know, uh, they're already planning for it and so forth, and it's coming. So we need to get on board and or or start willing to pay ten dollars a gallon for gas in your old guzzlers or whatever, or or look to the future. And I think our president's looking to the future. Our governor's looking to the future. And all you want to do is call that socialism. Well, who's well gonna, who's gonna I also believe in helping the common man get out of the gutter and, and get a little ahead, you know, rather than these huge, you know, billionaires becoming trillionaires. I'd rather have my neighbors become, you know, maybe head a little above water so they don't worry about where the next meal's coming. I'm from. sorry you believe the common man is in the gutter. I don't share that feeling. I believe the common <laughs> no, man is doing far better than being in the gutter. That some of them are. All right, Joe, uh, please read the lower right-hand corner so we can say goodbye. Solar energy isn't free, Eric. Have you priced the solar systems lately? Have you installed yours yet? All right, there we go. Thank you so much, sir. I got an investment, but after you pay the initial cost, it is free, isn't it? All right, thank you, sir. Wow, 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 you can pay for fuel oil for the rest of your life. (laughs) Say goodbye, Eric. Bye, Eric. Goodbye, Eric. (laughs) Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. Cindy, you're on the mark. Go right ahead. I have to agree with some of the things that many of the callers have said. But I think we have the opportunity to look at, examine our society, and make the changes that we could have. Now, Professor Rousseau made the comment that what's driven up, in part, the price of products is demand, right? You remember he just said that. Well, then let's undemand. Let's use less oil and drive down and gas and drive down the price. If this is true, that what goes up can come down, then by us, the consumer, choosing to use less of it, 
however we choose to do that. Be more thoughtful in how you go out and drive. Don't drive as much, period. Whatever choice you make, uh, carpool, etc., there's lots of ways that we could reduce our consumption. I read an article today that really surprised me, that the U.S. Postal Service uh, just let a contract for new vehicles in which only about 10% will be electric and the rest will be uh, gas-burning vehicles. And that surprised me. First of all, I thought there was an effort on the part of government to push everyone to be electric. Why would you not do that yourself first? That's what being a leader is, you know, not telling everyone else to eat rice and beans before you are eating rice and beans. But interestingly enough, the board of directors of the Postal Service chose not to do that. Now the government's in a big fight with them, and they'll spend God knows how many millions of our dollars fighting them about that issue. I do think there are local transportation services that could be uh, converted to electric that's very practical. An example would be school buses. The school buses don't have to drive 300 miles, typically. And why couldn't they uh, be changed over to this? Of course, the question is, who's going to pay for that? Because here in Pennsylvania, while some school districts own their buses, around here, most of us contract with private providers. So who's going to prompt that change? Whether it have to be some incentive. Well, and also you're seeing city buses in Williamsport and State College running on compressed natural gas, cleaner right. fuel. They consider that a bridge technology until the next electric or whatever bus comes out. Right. I think when people talk about this is going to lay, that going solar is going to lay waste to millions of acres of farmland, I hear that concern. So why don't we look at macadam areas, which are already non-water porous Well, forget it. The water won't go through that, right? You've already blocked the flow of water into the ground. Why not build canopies over them and create uh, and put in solar panels, like at the mall? Why not do that? Or at some of these major um, retailers who have large swaths of macadam around their stores, why not encourage them to do that? We have to and think as you pointed out, Mark, then you could park in the summer in the shade. Yeah. I, would, I would really <laughs> find that attractive. There's a mall down outside of Philadelphia that had a uh, raised parking area, right? And the big push was for everyone to try to park underneath that because anyone, anyone, it's shade. it was in the shade. Right. So, uh, I mean, I think that would be a very attractive thing to do. Schools could do this. Of course, what, the difference between asking a school or the post office to do that and asking a private retailer is the school or post office is going to charge the taxpayers to do that, right? Where a private retailer is going to charge their customers. That's the difference. Now, it's all the same people, but the private retailer may actually have to pick their own pocket in part to do this. Unless, of course, the government, it seems more practical to me to talk the mall into putting in a big canopy to do this than to try to talk an equal square footage number of private homeowners to put in all of that infrastructure in their homes. Uh, Cindy. And that's already wide open. You're not going to have to cut down any trees, get in fights with your neighbors, Cindy. And zoning ordinances, etc. <laughs> we have to think. Just saying. Cindy. Step one. You're use not. Less thinking small. You have to think small. We have to do everything today the way we did it yesterday. Gas has to be the price we paid last month or last year, and we can't change anything. We cannot grow. We must develop nothing. 
but thanks well, for calling. And absolutely, and you home. haven't heard a I thing anybody else said. I refuse to get rid said. of the wall phone because I think it's a matter of personal safety. If there's an emergency in my house, everyone knows they can go to the kitchen and there's a phone there. There's a landline. Have you ever lost your cell phone in your house and you can't find it? This is, of course, okay. great right. humor in my home, and so we're calling them so they're ringing so we go find them. But you always <laughs> know that that phone is on the wall in the kitchen. So I admit that I personally reject some big changes in technology but All right, thank for reasons you. I believe are valid. And I'm the one paying the $30 a month to have it sitting there. So All right, how does it hurt you. anyone else? <laughs> we got you. Thank you, Thank Cindy. you so much, Cindy. Thank really you, appreciate the call. All right, 1-800-795-9565. We'll take one more caller. 1-800-795-9565. It's Think Small Tuesday on WKOK. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing and can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Oh, he has them off so we can listen to good music. Oh, okay. Uh, right there in the very middle, middle, middle. All right. The cure for high prices is high prices. All right. In the upper right-hand corner. It's nice to hear the left defend free market capitalism while trying to push solar power. But I also would say anybody that thinks FDR was a great president should go back and read the book, The New History of the Great Depression by Amity Shales. I happen to believe, and I think most historians will concede, that FDR was a great president. Right, and there's no other way to think about it. Well, but I think what she argued was that he didn't do things that got us out of the Depression as fast as humanly possible, uh, but, but did quite well in what World What he did do is he tried things, and if they didn't work, he abandoned them. He never doubled down the way the current administration does on bizarre schemes. He, If he, something didn't work, he got rid of it and moved on to the next thing. Now, the only he tried to back the court, and that didn't work. And he did a couple of other things that failed, but he never stopped trying. He instilled confidence in the American people. Chris, you're on the mark. Wow. That's an interesting rewrite. But anyway, uh, uh, perception is one thing, and misperception is also something. And I know you're dear to your Republican hearts, the uh, XL pipeline is going to be the thing that would make things better for everyone all the time for the next hundred years. But it isn't. It died, it's dead, and it's a good thing that it's dead. It's not a long-term, it doesn't solve our problems today. And you have that impassioned speech about uh, uh, how America should innovate and we can solve these problems, we could 
figure out what to do with tar sands. We could have figure out how to pump more oil. Well, then we can also learn to do without as much oil by the same reasoning. And you don't seem to really want to accept that. Well, we have to think small. <laughs> yeah, it's well, the theme of the small. day. And it, the the stock market is not rational. It has wild swings all the time. Plus, there's uh, people who try to provoke those swings to make money on short-term dealings. So those microsecond dealings should be eliminated because they do nothing to grow the economy, do anybody any good except take money off the top of the stock exchange. And I don't know why that isn't being done. So there, but, but the idea that perception is 50% of price, well, if the perception is accurate, it makes sense for that to be the case. But if you're just making things up because to cause the misperception, to cause the perception, then as you asked the professor about whether that would just have a short-term effect, and he never really answered. But the answer, I think, is clearly yes. It has a relatively short time, short effect, whether it's a month or two months at the most, usually. And I think that's a lot of what's going on now. Chris, you waited too long to call. You're going to have yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get in in the seven-minute uh, sessions you were giving everybody else. We well, called okay. too late. <laughs> Call well, too I called early enough, but you let everybody else go on for seven minutes. <laughs> Life's not fair. All right. Ah, uh, that's okay. I, I didn't have a thing planned out anyway. Thank you so much, Chris. Very much appreciated. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WDK, OK Sunbury, 10 o'clock.